I mean, it's fitting probably. Yeah. For my my roots and my interests. <laughs> Is Chicken Scratch a good name for a band? <sighs> Only if you misspell it. That's true. Like Ooh, S S K, you know, like C H I K N apostrophe N dash. Maybe get sued by Chick Fil A. Yeah, that's that's true. They still they have a C K. Well, it's just and okay. This is expecting way too much. Yeah, but the cows, right? They don't they don't spell correctly because they're dumb because they're cows. Yeah. Okay, they can spell. They can write. Yeah. You know. Like the whole thing's like, oh yeah, dumb cows can't spell right. These are cows that know how to write in like <laughs> at least like phonetic English. Right. I'm incredibly impressed with these cows. Travis, it's just it's like, all just a. I know. It's an advertising thing. I, I don't know. know cows, man. <laughs> it shouldn't bother me, but it does. All I have is a heavy hope that this world here is not my home. We've still got a ways to go. Hey guys, welcome back to the Fireside Podcast. This is Houston. This episode, we got to sit down with Doug Welch, a professor at Ozark Christian College here in Joplin, Missouri. We got to talk about something really cool. We talked about how preaching affects the story of the church and how it affects our story. The recording was long enough that we're breaking it into two episodes, so the next part will come out next week. We hope you enjoy the episode. Then we're running into love. I read this uh, article about this guy in Ireland who went without eating for a whole year. No. And yeah, sure enough. And so he uh, would go into this doctor's office every weekend. Um, and then every once a month, they would hold him over the weekend, do tests on him. And so they're giving him IVs of like vitamins and nutrients. So he's he's uh, minimal minerals or whatever. So he's getting the nutrients that he needs. But uh, his body's forced to convert all of his fat stores into food. Sure. Um, and he lost a lot of weight. And then he's like, at the end of the year, he's like, the doctor's like, okay, well, you, you really should stop this now. And he's like, I'm going to keep going and see how long it lasts. And, I mean, it was just like a, this phenomenon in, in Ireland that everyone's watching it and keeping up with them. And Like, when's this guy going to just wither away into dust? Right. So, my thing is I'm trying to, f- like, picture my life in any capacity without food. Like, what do I do in my free time? How, when do I hang out with my friends? What mm-hmm. Like, what am I doing at Starbucks even? Because that's calories. That's, you know, like. Do that. That's analogous to what we're talking about today, mm. because just trying to download and like get your like offline or online like mm-hmm. sermon info download mm. without the actual act of consumption mm. is like trying to just live off podcasts, you know, no, mm. no offense right. to podcasts right. <laughs> and not participate in community, the community. sacrament of the word yeah. with community. Yeah. Boom! Yeah, nailed it. So, There's so what is gosh. what is this even like? Who are we? What are we? What are we here? Yeah, I guess yeah. we should do the intro. Yeah, now. Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> are you? Do you want to do the intro now? Do you want me to? You're the podcaster. Uh, I guess I'm the podcaster now. Cast some pods, All right, bro. Sure. The, the Welcome. Worst. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, like, that, was, that was sounded like the worst supervillain name ever. The podcaster. The podcaster. Yes. <laughs> yes, I love it. Stop saturating the market. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, welcome to the Fireside Podcast, where our mission is to create good kingdom culture, equip the church, and glorify God. I'm Jeremiah. And I'm Houston. I'm Travis. And I'm Doug. Yeah, you're Doug. Yeah. Hey, Doug. <laughs> hey, you're, one for one. You're, a, you're a new voice. 
on our podcast, on our podcast. which is yeah. which is awesome. Yeah, we glad love to be here. We love new voices because I'm sure people are tired of ours by now. So if they're still listening, that's that's probably true yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. So, Doug, we are so so excited to have you on the episode uh, this week. Um, we should probably do a short bio type thing. Let the people okay. at home know. You. Well, so those two people that know us and not you. We should let them know who you are, <laughs> okay. and then we should try to connect people to know you, not us, and you know figure out how to make that bridge that connection later. But uh, so Doug Welch is a professor here at Ozark Christian College, um, one that we've all had, right? Uh, professor yeah. that um, has been, without being too weird, has been very impactful for me in my time at Ozark, uh, and so that's why we're so excited to have you on today. Um, we want to talk about how preaching affects community. Um, and how preaching's role in our community, yeah, really. And uh, that was Doug's idea, and I was really excited because that's, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we like to talk about. And I was worried that we'd come and bring some t- subject that we think's cool, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll, <laughs> guess I'll talk about that. So <laughs> we're excited that uh, you want to talk about that with us today. Actually, Travis and I in the car on the way here were talking a lot about kind of the idea of cultural narratives mm, and yeah. and. Um, and I always forget the words, but it's like there's the overt cultural narrative, the one that we can talk about in the public sphere and the, okay. the one that like the story that is acceptable to talk about in public. And then there's the covert cultural narrative, the story that's not acceptable to talk about in public. And so those who are in power, quote unquote power, okay. have control over what the acceptable story is to talk about in public. And and those who are not in power have their story, their their covert narrative oh so you're talking about like hidden transcripts yes yeah yeah thank you okay so thank more you. subtle ways to kind of place little digs at those in power to kind of subvert mm-hmm. uh sort of the overriding cultural narrative or the or right. culture story to kind of set yourself up as a as a counterculture we are we are the alternative right right yeah to to, to those in power to the typical culture yeah so we actually the the exact thing we're talking about is how it seems like in America, the the acceptable cultural story is that of the, the marginalized. And those who are not marginalized are not allowed to talk in the public sphere, not allowed to express marginalization and, and that yeah. kind of thing. And I'm not going to get into who I think is and isn't marginalized. Right. That's, not, that's not my place to, to say. But it's so interesting that, you know, there, there are certain, essentially there are certain groups in the public sphere that can um, – that can talk about their plight and there are certain groups that can't talk about their plight. Right. And that's, I mean, that's been the way throughout all of history. That's, it's always been that way, but it's interesting that, um, now in America, it seems like those who can talk about their plight are, are those who couldn't before. And those are the only people who are allowed to just something interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what strikes me is that is is the need, I mean, the narrative that we have, the narrative that we have in the church is the narrative of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. We have the story of, of, you know, humanity separated from God, and as a result of our separation from God, we've been estranged from one another. Mm-hmm. Whether that's gender issues, whether that's racial issues, you know, class issues of rich and poor, whatever, whatever the case. And so... Um, most of the time and in, in most distro- up to this point you have the powerful right the majority culture mm-hmm. the wealthy the you know um, male expressing female that kind of, you know 
um, the powerful dominating in 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 defining what the culture is, what is valuable, what's important, mm-hmm. etc. The shift has taken place. You're right. There is there has been a shift that taken place, uh, but absent the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Absent absent the gospel of reconciliation, which is, you know, the corrective is not for you to lose your voice mm-hmm. in order for someone else to have theirs. Right. Right. The the solution is is peace between op- opposing or historically opposing forces, so that. I'm listening to you, and you're listening to me. Mm-hmm. So, so in the name, there, there's there's a a good sense of okay, the, the door is open wider for people that previously had not been able to have a voice mm-hmm. to have now a voice. Mm-hmm. That's a positive thing. We should celebrate that. Yeah. Right. But what that what should not happen, right, is for those voices to then silence others. Right. And to say, okay, I'm sorry, because you are historically an oppressive, that's now that you now need to take a seat, you know, sit in the corner, in the back, and and keep your mouth shut because, okay, I mean, you can understand that to some degree, mm-hmm. right? Sort of as a, I don't even know how to, how to talk about this sort of, um, sort of psychologically. You know, there, there, there's a, there's a way to, to think about that, a way to, to truly kind of appreciate or, or even empathize. But at the same time, like, yeah, but true reconciliation, true peace is of, you know, if we're really, really searching for equality is I listen to you and you listen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's, and hopefully that's, that's the kind of story that we can, we can preach and that's the story that we can live mm-hmm. more than anything and live incarnationally in communities of faith where women, men and women are submitting and listening to each other, mm-hmm. you know, rich and poor are submitting and listening to each other, you know? Um, and I think that's what, that's what Paul was getting at in Ephesians five twenty one. It says, submit to yourself, submit yourselves one to another out of reverence for Christ. Mm-hmm. Christ is Lord over all of us. Yeah. Well, and that's just so true that the way the world knows how to right wrongs is overcorrecting, right? Yeah. The only way that the world knows yeah. how to, oh, you've been marginalized for yeah. so long. Okay. Yeah. The best thing you can do now is to marginalize yeah. the, the opposite force. Like there's no, exactly what you're saying. There's no room for, uh, you know, what if everybody has a voice in the public sphere? Yeah. What if everybody can, can speak and, and it's like equality in the world's view mm-hmm. is tearing down those who are up high until mm-hmm. they meet or go below those who are down low. Yeah. And then, you know, quality in the, in the church is more about building everybody up together, yeah. putting everybody on, you know, the problem. Yeah. The possible. problem sometimes with revolution is that it, you kick out the despots and dictators and then you just prop up more despots and dictators yeah. from the opposite side. Right. That then need to be revolt. You know, and that's right. sort of the history of a lot of, lot of the world is, um, so you know what what really truly is the path of peace mm-hmm. what truly is the path of unity as Jesus prayed that we would be one mm-hmm. as the father you know so what does that mean mutual submission it means mutual listening it means sacrifice mm-hmm. on all parts on mm-hmm. all parties and so I mean I think that's that's what I put put this on your generation but you guys are gonna have to figure this out mm-hmm. you know really truly is is how how do we open the, the door wider for people of diverse backgrounds and things mm-hmm. and at the same time 
really promote peace and unity. The morning comes just when it wants. No clock can tell me how it's done. For now the darkness has its fun. But soon we'll see the morning sun. So don't close your eyes. I won't close mine. The dawn will come. If we're running out of time. Yeah, Doug, you mentioned the the gospel being kind of the the thing that catalyzes all this. And I just keep thinking about this as a set of scales, right? For me to have a little bit more, you've got to have a little bit less. And that's, you know, just sociological math, right? right. But if we take kind of an agricultural view, um, I've been kind of reflecting on Ephesians 4, and it references Psalm 68, and there's a whole lot going on there. But I find it really interesting, especially if we take a view of New Testament used to the Old Testament that allusions to or quotations of one element Mm -hmm. are really um, allusions to and um, importing the whole uh, the whole passage whatever it is in its context I think of Psalm 68 and it's talking about God's blessing the one who rides through the wilderness going through the desert through a parched land bringing his people into a place and by his own creative power, taking what was a desert Mm -hmm. and turning it into a blessing. Um, He says specifically, uh, Psalm 69, rain in abundance, O God, you shed abroad, you restored your inheritance as it languished. In verse 10, your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O God, you provided for the needy. And so part of the curse then, right, if we're taking this agricultural metaphor, there's relational strain Mm -hmm. between man and God, a man to each other, between man and woman, uh, between man and creation. Mm-hmm. But we also have this, you know, between man and creation, now work's going to be toil. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to produce what you need. And if it's hard to produce what you need, then you don't really have enough to share with everyone. And so I think we see that relationally. And if the story of the gospel then is God taking what was dead and making life, if God is recreating this ex nihilo power he has to create now through the word incarnate recreating and we take that agricultural metaphor and you go to Ephesians 4 that quotes part of Psalm 68 and what's he telling them uh, well he when he gets to five forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you speak mm-hmm. the truth in love to one another mm-hmm. um, he gave the apostles prophets evangelists shepherds and teachers to the equipping to the work of ministry so that we might all grow up into salvation and so if we're thinking all of us growing and not some of us taking from the other if all of us can grow it's got to be because god did a creative work Mm -hmm. and we believe that the gospel is that creative work that he's done and so that's got to be the narrative that we do when we come together to bring it back kind of to our weekly preaching you know we're coming together to retell the story Mm -hmm. hey you don't have to exact vengeance you don't have to Mm -hmm. get what's yours because jesus took what's yours and god has given you out of his richness in christ and, and and we're retelling the story weekly. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? How does the preaching yeah. act do that? I think the story reminds us of just how the blessings of God are not scarce. Mm. You know, and you, you, if you put things in an economic viewpoint, like you're talking about your, the scales, mm. right? For one to go up, somebody's good. For someone to have more, somebody else has to have less, right? 
So, but that sort of treats the blessings of God, the lordship of God over all creation, as though He's only He's only provided just a little bit, uh-huh. mm-hmm. right? Uh, but He is, you know, as we see in in the story, over and over and over and over, mm-hmm. we refer to it in Psalm sixty-eight, and you know, the Israelites coming through with the spoils of Egypt, right, into the land flowing with milk and honey. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the promises of God over and over, and ultimately where this story is going and where the story is ending, is that the the promises of God or the blessings of God are not scarce. That's that's why I love I love the feeding narratives of Jesus, even though they're kind of like well they're not the most exciting miracles, mm-hmm. you know, in the Gospels. You know, Jesus fed five thousand people. I guess that's in, I guess that's you know interesting, or I guess that's. You know, it's impressive. us. It's not it's, as exciting. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah, right. you fed a whole bunch of people. Let's get back to the you know healing the blind man or get back to raising Lazarus from the dead. You know, and okay, but but I mean, it's those kinds of miracles, or even sort of the miraculous catch of fish, or even turning water into wine that that show us that truth, right? Mm-hmm. That remind us of that truth, right? Don't treat God's blessings as scarce, mm-hmm. as limited, as though. There's only a limited amount, and we've got to parcel out sort of in a in a mm-hmm. fair. Like no, no, the blessings of God. Now we need to define what the blessings of God are. So don't yeah, turn exactly. this into kind of word yeah. of faith kind of thing. And you send us five dollars. We'll. What I hear you tell me is to name it and then yeah. claim. Yeah. It. yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? You can do that. You can. What, but what name, are you naming? But what are you naming? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Are you, are you naming? Are you naming truly the blessings of Christ? I was reminded of this the other day. Was, looking back at some old things and uh, it's like the blessings of God always come cross-shaped. The blessings of God always mm-hmm. come in terms of opportunity for sacrifice, opportunity for service, mm-hmm. opportunities of love. So if you start thinking about your blessings or your responsibilities, your obligations that way, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, here's what I have. So as a white heterosexual male, okay, in the church, mm-hmm. I have some blessings and I have some responsibilities, but those those blessings are opportunities to serve, opportunities to submit. So I hope I want to use those things if I, or when I hopefully, encourage people of color, uh, women, you know, people who have been oppressed and or have gotten the lower end of that, mm-hmm. of those opportunities to be an advocate for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I've been talking to different people about, you know, okay, what can I do, mm-hmm. you know, in this world and, you know, <laughs> in a world that very often just wants to kind of like, well, you've had your time, sit down, yeah. you know, but can I, can I be an advocate for, mm-hmm. can I be an advocate for, can I be an encouragement? Can I, you know, and maybe in that way, um, have the ability once again earn a hearing not really just sort of expect it Mm -hmm. and i think maybe that's sort of the the issue of people that have been typically in power is they expect the hearing rather Mm -hmm. than realize no i have to earn this sure not just in the broader culture but in like the community that in Mm -hmm. the church i'm a part of yeah right so i mean we talk about the the regular preaching so the Sunday morning preaching or whatever weekend preaching. So what is that? How does it play into that? I think it plays into you got to be in there with your people. Mm-hmm. This cannot be disembodied. And I feel like more and more the message of the cross and the message of the gospel becoming more and more disembodied. 
And I think we have to fight against that tooth and nail. Are you referring specifically to uh, things like this podcast, things like digital, or are you just talking as a general attitude? I think it's just sort like of a general attitude. preaching type mentality of pastors? Yeah, or just, um, I don't know, it's, it's becoming the sort of the generic preaching that plays everywhere. Mm. Like, like, you know, we're thinking about, we're thinking about preaching like we're thinking about top 40 radio. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, here's, here's music that plays everywhere. It's yeah. like, okay, well, let's, let's, the gospel is universal, mm-hmm. right? And we all agree that the gospel right. is universal right. is for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. But your people, where you are and where you're living, they've got a specific need that you can address. Yeah. That you can talk about. Mm-hmm. So don't, you know, whether it's, and this has been going on for years and just people stealing sermons, you know, just, you know, taking so-and-so's outline from, you know, from the big church down the down the road and get the, you know, the old days they used to get the tapes, mm-hmm. get the tape ministry, listen to the tape and preach it the next day. You know, you can preach the same stories, right? And so you're telling somebody's stories as if it happened to you. It's like, well, that's ridiculous. But <laughs> it just ha- no, it happens. Yeah. But uh, to, you know, people get, get, you know, little sermon outlines, you know, sent them, and here's, you know, here's the outline, and you can just kind mm-hmm. of fill in from, you know, the overabundance of that, the importance for each one of us to do our work, right? Mm-hmm. Study the scriptures for yourself in your community mm-hmm. because you are bringing the word of God to these people right. at this time. Right, and these people are different than the people down the road that go mm-hmm. to the big church that the famous preacher preaches at. Your people need to hear from you, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and so I th- and that, that's part of it. But I think there are a lot of forces that are trying to kind of disembody yeah. the word so that it can put, can apply everywhere. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's essentially two approaches to you know like what you're going to preach on a Sunday. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, there's probably a million approaches, but my, my yeah, point is exactly. like, is what you're saying, you know, okay, I know this is going on in the church. We need to talk about this. Um, but I also, uh, like liturgical calendars, oh, the whole sure. philosophy of liturgical calendars. Okay. Over the course of two years, we're going to hit every topic. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to preach every passage. Um, and we're going to just cover all our bases. So I feel like, uh, that shift happened, um, at the stone during the Stone Campbell movement, right away from liturgical calendars toward I'm just, I'm gonna sound like an idiot. I'm second. I'm sure. well, I mean, I, th- uh, I think, I think you're probably like, about right. These yeah. like traveling preachers right. aren't aren't uh, mm-hmm. set up at a church to be there from Sunday to Sunday, and mm-hmm. so they have to have you know their evangelistic message to preach, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and so then we we've kind of like shifted gears away from this. Let's cover all our bases to. Um, what am I going to talk about on Sunday? So I, just, I think it's so interesting yeah, that yeah. I don't disagree by any means. Like, of course, yeah, you have to you have to feel out the the needs of your mm-hmm. congregation, yeah. and and fill those needs every every Sunday. That's that's your goal as um, as a pastor. That's one of your roles as a pastor. But I just think it's interesting that you know how much of this is like a newer problem for the church. Like in the last you know couple hundred years, how how right. how long has has a liturgical calendar have liturgical calendars being been in place that you know we know we're going to talk about next week sure yeah or we know we're going to read today right right yeah um i think what happened was you know you had you had those 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 churches that had some kind of a a set calendar and and i'm not i'm not an expert in in this uh either uh but you you had but then you had the revival thing which was separate from the typical church service, mm. right? So you had the Sunday morning 
service, mm-hmm. right? Which still followed kind of the liturgy that was, whether it was Methodist or Presbyterian or whatever it was, um, and still maybe following that prayer book or following mm-hmm. that sort of lectionary, that that schedule of reading, which I'm a huge fan of, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, but you sort of you have the revival thing which happening kind of simultaneously, but not at the same time, you know, or just or not in the same place. So you the, during the week and the weekend, you're having the revival meeting, mm-hmm. right? And so what happens is the revival meeting, like the Billy Graham Crusade or something mm-hmm. like that comes into the church and starts to kind of affect our Sunday morning rhythm now. Mm-hmm. So our Sunday morning rhythm now does not reflect the liturgical, the lectionary, you know, so if you go to a, you know, if you're like me, you grew up in a Christian church, an evangelical church, mm-hmm. and you go and you spend a time in like a highly liturgical church, it's pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, I know we're all Christians, but you know, I expected the sermon to be a little longer you know, I expected to be at the end and not in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I just, you know, sat down and you're now starting to you read the Bible and then get a little 15 minute message and that's it. And we're standing. And yeah, we're standing, sitting, yeah. kneeling. And the, yeah. So like the, you know, the the liturgical or the high liturgical church, which really values the table, you know, the, the mm. Eucharist or the uh, the mass in the Roman Catholic Church. As the as the most significant thing, and everything else is just leading up to that. That got replaced in the revival, revivalistic church. Now that the the word, the preaching, and specifically the decision after, mm-hmm. so the coming to the altar, or the what Charles Finney invented the uh, was it called the mourner's bench or something like that. This is where you come to uh, to admit that you're a sinner and to express the, your need for forgiveness, right? So. Uh, so all of that kind of came in and sort of replaced. So so now the churches that we're all part of, right, are much more shaped by that revival, which means kind of okay. So we don't we're not it's not being chosen for us by electionary what mm-hmm. what the texts are for the day that we need to wrestle with, right? But we get to decide for ourselves. There's some I mean there's some man there's some that's great sometimes great opportunity. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things where a lectionary or a liturgical calendar is a great tool to use. For sure. And uh, sometimes a, a cruel master, right? Like, yeah, like all right, things in the church. Right. It forces you to deal with things that you wouldn't, you don't normally want mm-hmm. to deal with. Yeah. It's like, well, if you're going to preach through a, a book in the Bible, preach through the entire book in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Don't just pick and choose the passages that you want to preach on. Mm-hmm. You know, deal with the, the tough things. I was in a church, this is years ago, but... You know, a church that they were working through Mark. They were at Mark 13, which is a really challenging chapter. This is where Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and mm-hmm. we think maybe the end of the world. And and the preacher was having a rough time with it, let me mm-hmm. just say. Okay, he was having a rough time uh, getting through it. But I respected him that he, that he did it. Mm-hmm. I was like, here it is. And last week it was Mark 12 and next week it's going to be Mark 14. Here we are here and here's the text that we have to wrestle with today and i'm just gonna you know kind of open up sort of my chest or open up my brain here and just kind of show you these are my limitations Mm -hmm. you know but that makes but coming all the way back to you know kind of this disembodied voice the disembodied voice wants people to think that we're an expert in everything Mm -hmm. you know a voice that's really truly part of community says i i'm i'm having a tough time working through this text i gotta tell you Mm -hmm. and 
I, I want you to know that if you're reading the Bible and occasionally you think it's kind of hard, that's okay. Because mm-hmm. the professionals sometimes think it's hard too. You know, and, and we're having, so, you know, again, the disembodied voice wants to be kind of wise and everything and sort of, yes, here's mm-hmm. the, we come up to the sage and the sage has all the answers mm-hmm. for all of life's questions, but very rarely does does the person up front says, no, I've got some questions here and I got to tell you, I don't know what the answer is yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's authentic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I think, okay, millennials, okay, <laughs> try not to, to do this too much, but, you know, coming from your standpoint, what does that, because everything I read about, about y'all, about your generation is, is that, that's a thing that you really value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Authenticity m- sure. Much more than just having the right answer. Here's the three right answers, mm-hmm. but here's a life that is really just kind of open and authentic about the challenges yeah. and about the doubts even. Well, I think, you know, we're saturated in a world that's full of non-truth and, mm-hmm. and all we want is to find the truth. I mean, I mean, that's what we're all yearning for. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I think authenticity, uh, definitely, I mean, brings us into, into that truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we can actually see like, yeah, well, maybe we don't all have the answers. Maybe that's okay, but let's get to that point together. I and mean, that's, yeah. you know, that's what community is all about. Right. And I think that's, I mean, that's definitely something that we really value as millennials as well as, is that community aspect of life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why we're really passionate about talking about it here. And, and, uh, that this topic today is, is great. Just because it resonates with us, I think more on a heart level. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think the biblical stories give you give you opportunity to do that, mm-hmm. right? Because so many times we want to use the biblical stories as kind of this. Okay, here's three ways to overcome anxiety, or here's you know David and Goliath, and here's the five stones that you need to face, yeah to face your fears of mm-hmm. prayer and Bible study and worship and service and prayer again because it's really important. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, well, wait, no, the, the stories of the Bible are not written for that. Mm-hmm. You know, these are people that are struggling to figure out how to live and obey God. Right. You know, just that weren't perfect. Let's admit this, you know, mm-hmm. Abraham, man of faith. Yeah, man of faith lied about his being married to his wife twice, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, whole Hagar thing, you know, just, it, I mean, these are people that were messy, were mm-hmm. really, truly messy. And the stories... You know, if we're really honest about those stories, say these people are kind of, yeah, kind of messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you think your family's messed up. Read Jacob, Leah, and Rachel. You know, have you married sisters? No. Well, then you're not so bad off <laughs> as Jacob did. You know, it's like uh, I don't have much marital advice, but that's some marital advice I can give. Right. Don't marry sisters. <laughs> right. It's a bad idea. That's yeah. <laughs> But I think that's what the stories of the Bible offers, yeah. mm-hmm. really, is an opportunity to say, it's okay for you to not exactly know what you're supposed to be doing right now. Right. Or just stories in general. Yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, for that, sure. I, mean, that's, yeah. I think that's something else that we value as mm-hmm. a community of millennials as well is story. And I think that's... I think that's more prominent within our churches today too. I mean, I think we're finally moving towards that. Like, Hey, we should probably tell more stories so that people yeah. can see that like, they're not the only person dealing mm-hmm. with this, you know, and well, what they're finding in, in research about how, uh, the, the brain functions is that, um, whenever we learn or, or even like hear people tell their stories, uh, our brain puts us in their place and right. runs us through the runs us through their story. Sure. And so yeah. we get to actually learn life lessons, uh, as if we did them, even though we didn't. And it's it's just 
completely wired into our brains that storytelling is 100% integral to who we are. Yeah. Um, there's this book called uh, The Storytelling Animal, and I can't remember who writes it, but he just starts off from a purely secular mm-hmm. uh, standpoint, and he says that the you know early man, there's two tribes of, of Neanderthals or whatever, and one tells stories, and one is just this highly efficient mm-hmm. um, race that, that works, eats, sleeps, you know, rests. I mean, they're they're much better hunters. They're much mm-hmm. better gatherers. They're much better reproducers, or whatever. But there's something about this storytelling tribe that is just way more successful. And and they don't really understand why. You know, they they waste time sitting around the fire telling stories, and they waste time one on one. You know, talking about things instead of just you know being business like other animals are, mm-hmm. so to speak. And for whatever reason, like this animal wins out, and here we are today. That we are just a product of this storytelling storytelling animal. Name yeah. the book. Um, but there's just, yeah, again, so much research is showing that just telling a story, we can learn things so much better. And then you look at the way children learn things and yeah. the way children process. And I think, I think a lot of this research comes out of kind of like what you're saying, like our generation or, or the kind of climate right now is just really mm-hmm. susceptible to stories. And then we're finding out, oh, we've always been really susceptible to stories. Mm-hmm. And we've just removed that from, from the whole preaching you know, the, the five stones yeah. or the three things that Psalm 10 yeah. or 145 tell you about a healthy heart or, you know, and then we're finding that these things that God has put into place thousands of years ago. Oh, wow. There's a reason. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I think so often about, uh, Israel's story, just the value that Israel has to have, um, it, their own story that they can say, this is where we came from. This is how we walk. This is what we do. And, you know, they get together and they don't, you know, they don't do just readings from the law, right? They read the stories. And so I, was it, I can't remember, under some occupation of Israel, um, the authorities said that they couldn't read from the Torah because they thought, maybe it was Rome, it was the occupation of Rome, that they said that um, they knew that the Torah was the power of the mm-hmm. Jewish faith or whatever. And so they said, they outlawed readings of the Torah, and so they they just read from the prophets, the those writings, and um, come to find out, all of the Torah is kind of reworded in the prophets and writings. So it was to- totally functional for them. But now they're realize now they're they're working through stories, teaching them laws instead right. of just reading the laws, and it's you know way more effective, and, and they're learning easier to pass it down. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's a huge. Um, identity shaping force yeah, yeah exactly. the common story so i mean even think sort of nationally right so you know the founding of the country and these shaping moments that affected in every fourth of july mm-hmm. my neighborhood like most neighborhoods in southwest missouri is just lit up because we're trying to recreate i don't know gettysburg or something or take you know just you know uh yeah but you know, it's like okay. So here's here's here are these these momentous occasions that we shape our lives around and we mm-hmm. recreate. And so you know, think about Israel. You think about the Passover. So mm-hmm. this is not just told; it's embodied, mm-hmm. right? So it's practiced. So we're gonna we're gonna eat the unleavened bread. We're gonna eat the lamb bones have not been broken. We're gonna you know sort of have the bitter herbs that remind us of how bad things were in Egypt um, so you know you so you talk about the story that needs to be told needs to be incarnated but I you know it needs to lead to a Eucharistic moment mm-hmm. here where we are actually 
you know, experiencing this together, that the story is something that we are living in. And that's, and that is so shaping for a community. Mm. That's so shaping for a community to be reminded and, and not just reminded, told, but encouraged to be involved in every, every time we go together. That's one of the things I love about the restoration movement churches. One of the things I love the most about it is, is the weekly celebration of the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. Because we are, we are recreating, we're living out the story mm -hmm. every time we gather together. Someday all our sleeping friends will see the light of day again. The blind men say it's all pretend. We know how this story ends So don't close your eyes And I won't close mine Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to hear more from Doug Welch, you can go to his podcast, Every Thought Captain, where he and two other Ozark professors talk about whatever comes into their mind. It's actually an awesome show, and I would encourage you to check it out. If you want to hear more from Travis, you can check back here or go to his SoundCloud page. We'll link that in the description. And of course, always check out thefiresidecommunity.com. We've gone through some renovations recently. I think the left side's looking a lot better for it. Check back next week for a second episode from Doug Welch. Thanks, everybody. So don't close your eyes. I won't close mine. The dawn will come. If we're running out of time, if we're running out of time, if we're running out of time, then we're